Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm Nader Mansour, and I pray this message will draw you closer to Jesus. One of the most quoted Bible texts in support of the doctrine of the Trinity is 1 John 5.7. It is probably in the top five list of strongest verses to prove that God is made up of three persons and yet still is one God. Here is just one example of it used that way. And then, of course, and some people challenge this verse, but it's in the Bible, I believe it. 1 John 5, 7, For there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, that's Father, the God the Father, the Word, Jesus is the Word become flesh, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. That's hard to misunderstand. The three are one. The three are indeed one. But one what? Is the verse saying they are one God? No. Does the verse actually teach that God is a trinity? That these three are the one God of the Bible? Does it clearly tell us about the nature and makeup of God? Not really. And if it doesn't prove that God is a trinity, then what does it mean when it says that these three are one? Today, we're going to examine this verse and see what it really means. Hello everyone, I'm Nader Mansour and this is Prove All Things. The passage in question today, 1 John 5-7, is a favorite verse for many Trinitarians. To most people, it is proof positive that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are the one God of the Bible, a plural God that is composed of three persons. Is this what John is trying to tell us through this verse? The answer is a resounding no. So what does he mean when he says, these three are one? One what? Let's read the text again and note that the answer is right there in the verse itself. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Did you see it? They are one in bearing the same record. Their record and witness is one and the same. This is the case that John is making in this passage. This is confirmed when we check the verse that comes right after, verse 8. It says, and there are three that bear witness in the earth, the spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree in one. You see it now, right? Notice that these three listed here, these witnesses, are not all persons or beings. They all agree in one. They bear the same witness. The oneness that John is dealing with in this chapter is the oneness of testimony and witness, not the oneness of God. That's exactly his point in verse 7. Three record bearers who are one in agreement and testimony. To think that this verse has anything to do with the nature of God is to tragically miss the whole point of the letter of John. You see, John was not dealing with the identity of God in this passage. The context makes that clear. Not just of the chapter, but the entire letter. This text isn't trying to expound on the doctrine of God. How many persons or beings? This is not what he's dealing with at all. Notice the following words, richly peppered in this chapter alone. Verse 6 says, beareth witness. 7, bear record. 8, witness. 9, witness three times and testified. Verse 10, witness and record. And verse 11, record. These words conjure up the imagery of a courtroom in which John is trying to make a case for something. He repeatedly uses the words witness, testimony, and record to prove a point. So what is the point he's trying to prove with all these witnesses? He says it in verse 5 and verse 10. 
Who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God? Verse 10, He that believeth on the Son of God hath a witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. That united testimony of so many witnesses is that Christ is the Son of God. It's exactly the same thing that his gospel was all about. Notice how he spells it out in John 20, 31. But these are written that ye might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye might have life through his name. So the Father, the Word, and the Spirit are indeed one, not one person, one being, or one God, or Godhead, as many would like to believe, but one in testimony. They all agree in giving the one testimony, in bearing the one record. That record is that Jesus Christ is indeed the Son of God. The Father testified and gave record of His Son at the baptism and at the Mount of Transfiguration. He said, This is my beloved Son. The Son testified and clearly stated, I am the Son of God. And the Spirit testified of Christ's Sonship through countless believers who confessed that Christ was indeed the Son of the living God. Acts 5.32 says, and we are his witnesses of these things, and so is also the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Peter, Philip, Paul, and every single believer bore witness to this truth of the Sonship of Christ. After all, these confessions of Christ's Lordship are by the Holy Spirit. This is the united witness that these three bear. It's actually very easy to understand when we see the verse in its proper context. It's all about Christ being the Son of God. If we don't believe this record, we make God a liar. The Trinity destroys this witness and rejects the record that God gave of His Son. The Trinity teaches that God is made up of three persons who are co-eternal, and therefore the Father-Son relationship is only a role-play or a metaphor. In other words, it's not real. To use this text to support a doctrine that denies that Christ is the Son of God obliterates the very testimony that heaven is revealing to us. The Sonship of Christ is just as real as the eternal life that is in Him. If His Sonship is only a metaphor, then what does that say of the eternal life that is in Him? Please notice how John links these two points together. 1 John 5, 10 and 11. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. He that believeth not God hath made him a liar, because he believeth not the record that God gave of his Son. And this is the record that God has given to us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Christ has eternal life in Him because He is the Son of God. The basis for His possession of that life is His Sonship to the Father. This is what Christ Himself taught when He was here on earth. John 5, 26, For as the Father hath life in Himself, so hath He given to the Son to have life in Himself. God the Father gave His Son to have the very same life. That's eternal life. It's all based on the unique and vital relation that Christ has with the Father. He is His only begotten Son. As such, He has the very life and nature of His Father. That is why when we have the Son, we have that which His Sonship entails. 1 John 5:12. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. This is a real Son, not a make-believe Son or a role-playing Son, not a metaphorical Son. No one would dare believe that the eternal life in the Son is a metaphor. That would be absurd. It is just as unreasonable and outrageous to teach that about the Sonship of Christ.
Now that we have explained the verse from the Bible, we see that it has no support for a trinity. It's interesting to note that this verse has an interesting story behind its origin. Here it is from the SDA Bible Commentary. Textual evidence attests the omission of the passage, in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, and there are three that bear witness in the earth. The disputed words have been widely used in support of the doctrine of the Trinity, but in view of such overwhelming evidence against their authenticity, their support is valueless and should not be used. In spite of their appearance in the Vulgate, a Catholic commentary on Holy Scripture freely admits regarding these words, it is now generally held that this passage called the Comma Johannium is a gloss that crept into the text of the Old Latin and Vulgate at an early date, but found its way into the Greek text only in the 15th and 16th centuries. This is so well established that most Bible commentaries acknowledge this fact. Most people, however, who use this text don't know the history of its origin. Even the Biblical Research Institute, the BRI, admits as much, stating that this text, 1 John 5, 7, should not be used. So there you have it. There are three that bear record, the SDA Bible Commentary, the Catholic Commentary, and the BRI, and these three are one. They are saying the same thing about this verse. Whatever the case, rather than endlessly disputing and debating the authenticity of the verse, we have simply allowed the Bible to shed light on its meaning for us. We found that far from supporting a trinity, it's actually an affirmation of the Sonship of Christ and the very real relation He holds to His Father. This is the consistent and united testimony of the Father, the only true God, His only begotten Son, and the Holy Spirit of God, working through different agencies. That is how the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit are one. They are one in bearing record that Christ is indeed the only begotten Son of God. If you are blessed by this message, please share it with others. Be sure to subscribe to get notified of future episodes. Your prayers and support are appreciated. May God richly bless you through His Son, Jesus.